Uh, some of the questions you turned in related to things we just talked about. Question number one, how do we di- discipline a child who shows no empathy? Um, as far as I know, the biblical example is when God says thou shalt not, there's always some, something bad that happens, some kind of discipline. When God says thou shalt, uh, there's not discipline associated with it. It's loss of blessings. In other words, when God has a positive commandment, he associates blessings with them that you don't get if you don't do that positive thing. And when God says, thou shalt not, whatever it is, if you do it, then God brings some kind of discipline or punishment uh, associated with that. Uh, I believe a kid should have empathy, but because it's a positive value uh, to uh, keep with the way our Heavenly Father disciplines his children, uh, I would reward them when they show empathy with some positive things, but I would not discipline a child for not showing empathy. I would make it a matter of prayer. I would put them in circumstances purposely to help them build more empathy, get them around other kids with less, other circumstances with less, you know, to give God an open door to answer your prayer. And I would always be really, really careful. You know, as adults, we don't have the same amount of empathy. You know, a lot of that depends on, you know, your spiritual giftedness. For instance, if your spiritual gift is showing mercy, I mean, you've got empathy up to here. And if your spiritual gift is prophecy, I mean, you've got empathy down here. And so you need to be careful that you're not defining having no empathy as they don't have as much empathy as I have. And, uh, but I would handle it in, in that, that way. And if you have any specific questions, get some wise counsel. Uh, question number two, should we discipline our children separately or, or together? Uh, I don't personally see any reason under most circumstances why both parents have to be there uh, to discipline a child. I mean, if there's ever any question about whether you're on the same side as a mom and dad, uh, then I would be there together to demonstrate to the child that, hey, this is what both of us think uh, need to be done. Uh, but un- unless, you know, there's some special circumstance, you know, or you, it's just your personal preference, uh, I don't see any reason for that. Um, nothing wrong with it, of course. Question number three, do you teach or force your children to participate in your family values? Uh, depends on what you mean by family values. You know, and so, you know, I would get some specific uh, counsel on, on whatever you are defining that as. I mean, you should be teaching, you know, uh, biblical values by your example and by, you know, your mouth, I mean, from the, from the womb. And so it just depends on how old your child is. You know, if, if you have a 21-year-old college student in, in the house, uh, I would expect some things from the house and I would probably turn a blind eye to some things that are away from the house. And you need to protect your house. But I, I don't think you should expect the same thing from an 18 or a 21-year-old as you expect from a 10-year-old a or a 15-year-old. And um, I, I would, in my opinion, I mean, as your children get older, I, I would always have expectations. But... It's really, really a healthy idea as a parent to, to get into this mode. The older my children get, the more of the control of their life I need to turn over to them. 
And if you don't make that a gradual process, what happens if you are one of these parents that just all of a sudden turns everything over to them at 18 uh, and they've never had any decision-making experience, uh, I just, it just breeds a lot of really, really bad decisions. And so I think it's far wiser as a parent to, to turn that over. Now, they're going to do some things you're not going to like. And you've got to work with them on that. But, I, I, again, I just think becoming a functional, independent uh, adult with faith, you know, I, I think that's a process, not a, a, a light switch. And, you know, we will help our, our children uh, do that. But anybody in the home, you know, they need to be participating whatever you want them to participate in the home or they need to move out. Uh, question number four, in today's world, how much of the behavioral problems are medical issues Versus discipline and uh, parenting. <laughs> um, the first thing, I, there, there's a great book in our bookstore uh, on that. It's called The Diseasing of America's Children. It's by Dr. John Roseman. And you kind of got to wade through the first two-thirds of the book. There's a lot of medical stuff. But it deals with that issue from a medical perspective. And it's outstanding. Um, outstanding. Um, I find it awfully hard to believe that in one generation, now all of a sudden, 20%, which I think is about the number, of you know, children now need medical help to behave. I mean, how does that happen in one generation? Um, I, I think there's a couple of things at play. I, I think, number one, uh, sometimes our expectations for children's behavior is not reasonable. And the second part of that, which is a part of what this class is about, I don't think that parents in general handle their children from the time they're toddlers till the time they're older with enough consistency and toughness uh, on, on their behavior. Uh, I do not personally believe that very many, if any, of those children need medication. Now, I've, I would not myself go so far as to say none of them need that. Um, but but I, I think when you're medicating 20% of, of the children, and it's the easiest thing as a parent to hear, while your child's having all these problems, it's really not your fault as a parent. They've got this ADHD. That's why they are the way they are. And as a parent, say, whew. Man, it's not me. Now I just need to give them, and it's actually a low dose of speed. That's, that's what that medication is. And um, I, I just think it's such an easy thing to believe that most parents, uh, you know, just go into it. And I'm not, please don't, I'm not trying to be critical. Uh, I think some kids are hard to raise. I, I don't know. I was a very hard kid to raise. A very hard kid to raise. I mean, I'm not exaggerating. In second grade, they moved my desk in the corner. And I, my desk was in the corner for a month. And I still remember the kid's name. His, kid, his name was Tim Monroe. And he misbehaved bad enough that the one corner where they could put a desk, she moved his desk in the corner, and I behaved for the rest of the year. Um, but because we don't have this tough mentality, we define that as mean instead of tough, um, you know, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, again, just because a kid is tough to raise, it doesn't mean they need medication. 
You know, and, and man, sometimes God gives you a really strong-willed child because if you're going to do something great in life or for the Lord, you're going to have to have a strong will. Strong will. And the, the greater the potential for doing great things, I mean, the tougher those kids are going to be to raise. And some kids are tough to raise. God trusted you with them. It means you can do it. Um, some interesting, uh, but not, eerie, uh, not always serious quotes. Here's number one. Parents are always giving their children, not, parents who are always giving their children nothing but the best usually wind up with children who behave the worst. <laughs> uh, Here's the second one. This is more serious. Uh, Making the decision to have a child is momentous. It is to decide forever to have your heart go walking around outside your body. Uh, A couple of thoughts, uh, things to ponder. Here's number one. Pace the privileges that you give your children. I I wish you would just let that sink in. Uh, I am amazed uh, at some parents. You've got a daughter. She's four, and she's got her ears pierced. She wears makeup and shaves her legs. You know what? You know, pace what you give them. Remember, at some point, there's not going to be anything you can allow them to have or do that's going to be right. And so you need to pace what you give them for privileges. Here, number two, gradually increase the responsibility that you give your children along with increased privileges. Increased privileges should always come with increased responsibility. That's life. That's life preparation. Um, we are in week eight. I don't have all the answers. I don't come to you as some super parent. Uh, man, Sharon and I had uh, three tough kids to raise. We had some difficult times. We had some dark times. And uh, I don't have all the answers. I've been through a lot. I want to help you. Uh, and so we're turning to the Bible. Uh, because I simply believe, and I think you should too, that our Heavenly Father knows more about what will give our children a good future than we do. Listen, there's not a parent here that doesn't desire a good future both in life and in eternity for your child. Uh, I just believe God knows more about what the recipe to produce that uh, is. Uh, There's a story told about a father. He looks over at his son on on a Sunday morning and he says, you better get ready, the bus is going to be here in a minute to pick you up and take you to Sunday school. Well, the little boy looked over at his dad and he said, Dad, did you go to Sunday school when you were little? And the dad just kind of got, you know, a little, pulled his shoulders back and said, yes, I did. And the little boy dropped his head and he walked away and said kind of under his breath, like only a seven-year-old could say, well, probably won't do me any good either. You know, I've repeatedly talked about how important our example is when it comes to training our children. And that is especially true when it comes to character. And that's what we're going to, talk about over the next few weeks is uh, what character attributes we should teach our children and how we can can teach them. Uh, If I was going to pick one thing that has deteriorated deteriorated and hurt America more than any one thing, I would say it's character. If you study anything about history, what, what you will learn is that 50 years ago and today, the difference in people's character both in and out of the church, is very, very different. I'm not implying there are not people today with good character. There are some. But if you look over our population in general, uh, that has greatly uh, deteriorated. I want to remind you, character and faith are not synonyms. 
Uh, you can have faith in Jesus and have bad character. If you have faith in Jesus and bad character, here's what's going to happen. You will live a miserable, painful life, and when you die, you'll go to heaven. Um, it is also, by the way, possible to have no faith in Jesus and have good character. And if you have no faith in Jesus and good character, here's what's going to happen. You're going to live a pretty successful life here and now, and then you're going to die and go to hell. Every one of us here want for our children and for ourselves both. Uh, We want our children to have eternal life. We want them to be safe. But we also want them to live well and live fulfilled lives here and now. And by the way, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, character is who we are. Uh, we live in a culture that's focused on reputation. Reputation is what people think we are. As parents, it's very important that both for ourselves and for our children that we get focused on character who our children really are. Because understand this, that if our children are what they are really supposed to be, they will do what they really are supposed to do, and eventually people will think well of them. If we are instead not that concerned about who they really are and more concerned about what people think they are, in the end it's not going to produce anything good. We need to be focused on their character more than their reputation. And character is learned behavior. Character is not the same as talent. There are a lot of talented people with very little character. There are people with high character and not that much talent. They're they're not the same. One is a gift of God. One is a choice. One is learned behavior. You you can't teach your children talent. That, That is a gift of God. But we can teach our children character. And in my particular case... um. I got saved at 24, and, and as I grew as a person uh, and, and as a Christian, one of the things I, I come to realize is that there were some areas where my character, I really had never given much thought to. And to be honest with you, they're not very good. And today, even though now I've been saved for 34 four years, there are areas of my character that I am still constantly working on because I see how, how that could be better and, and help me be a, a better man and a better husband and a better dad and a better father-in-law and, and a better grandfather. Uh, character matters. And so we greatly help our children when we teach them to become people with character. Proverbs tw- chapter 22, verse 6, you should... Uh, be there it says this train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it now if anybody that can quote a verse on parenting this is probably the first verse they know Um, some people teach this as a bible promise in fact I was taught this was a bible promise as I grew more in my faith and began to study proverbs a little more, I come to understand that Proverbs are not really promises. They are general principles for life. I mean, when the proverb says, the ringing forth of the nose bringeth forth blood, that doesn't always happen. It's a general principle. Um, Even if it were a Bible promise, we don't really think through what it's saying. 
See, we read, uh, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, and not depart from that. And what we read, is, what, what goes in our mind is, well, I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to raise him like I was raised, and then he'll be all right when he gets old. And that has nothing to do with either the principle or a promise. Uh, it's not a promise to, do the, to those who do the best they can, to, to those who raise their children as well as others raise theirs, or uh, to raise them the way they think they should go. But I'll tell you this, as a parent, when we were raising our boys, this was something I wanted a piece of. I wanted a part of this as a parent. And by the way, claimed it in prayer, even though it is a principle, and I would suggest the same for you. But it's important we stop and think about it a little bit. Uh, The first thing that makes, and again, I hope when you read the scriptures, sometimes you just pause and think about what you're reading. You know, one of the first questions that comes to mind, what, what does it mean to be old? Well, we don't have time, but if we studied uh, that word, that word that's translated old here, 20 times it is clearly ancient. Three times it's what we would call middle-aged, and three times it's like this where you can't tell what it is. And so this is not a promise for your teenager. It's not a promise for your uh, 20-something. Uh, if it is a promise, or uh, and it is a principle, it is for them when they get old, ancient or middle-aged. The second thing that I would ask, again, if you begin to think, and, and I read my Bible every day, I have for 30-some years, and um, the second thing, if you pause and think about it, is what does the word train mean? Um, and that particular word is translated, uh, it's four times. The other four times it's dedicated. You know, dedicated to the temple or dedicated something to God. And the word trained is in the English Bible twice, here and in Genesis, where it talks about Abraham's trained servants that were the ones he sent out into battle. And so it's referring to like a military type of uh, discipline and, and regiment. And so here's the funny thing, is that even if this is a promise, um, the great majority of our homes, we don't have this kind of military regiment mentality when it comes to raising our our children. Um, But no matter what, this whole thought is a great principle and a great hope for parents who really are trying to train their children the right way, in the way they should go. Uh, If you want to treat it as a Bible promise, go ahead. Uh, again, as a, as a parent, I claim this all the time. I know it's a principle. But when we had some dark times, I still was calling it out there. And I'd recommend the, the same thing uh, for you. And, and by the way, I commend you for coming to a class like this. You know, the average American parent, they're not interested in learning every, anything about this. You know, and, and so you certainly can't train up a child in the way they should go if you've never investigated the way they should go. And, and so great job b- being here. And um, which brings us to the question that sort of becomes a launching of our thought for the, for the next few weeks, and today in particular. Um, what kind of character attributes should I teach my children and how can I teach these? Uh, please go in your Bible to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. And we're just going to do one today. 
And ironically enough, to me, this seems like one of the most basic thing, things that every parent should understand. But in our culture today, and including in the church, uh, this is something that it just, to me, is ignored far too much. Um, and so here's the character attribute we're going to talk about today. Number one, begin character training with gender identity. <laughs> Train them to identify with the gender God chose for them. And I know it's a little crude. Um, my sister, I heard this first from my sister. My sister uh, goes to a ladies' prison uh, as a visitor uh, to get the gospel to them uh, every, every week. And uh, she has a lot of issues with this in the, in the prisoners. And here's what she tells the ladies in the prison. If you have any doubt, get by yourself, take your clothes off and look in the mirror and see what God gave you. You know what? It sounds dumb and it may seem a bit crude to those of you who are far more sophisticated than, than I am. But you, you know what? I mean, guys have a Y chromosome. Girls don't have one. And, 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 and listen, you, you can uh, do all the hormone therapy you want. You, you can cut body parts off. I mean, think about this. And I digress a little bit. Um, if you went to the doctor or the psychologist and you said, you know what, I identify as a man who has a, a right leg who's been amputated. Would you please take off my healthy right leg so that I can match what I identify with in my mind? You know what they would do? They would say, no, we're not going to cut off your healthy right leg. We don't care that you identify with an amputee. That's nuts. But they cut off other healthy body parts of men and women because somebody comes up and says, I identify as... There's something wrong mentally and something wrong with our culture. You should be in Titus chapter 2, but in verse 1 it says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober... Grave, temperate, sound in faith and charity and patience, the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober and to love their husbands and to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blaspheme. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded." Now, we could spend hours going through the details of that, but I want to just point out one simple thing that applies to what we're talking about today. God had specific instructions for young men and old men, young women and aged women. Uh, now, God has some places in the Bible where he just gives instructions to all believers, and then there are other places in the Bible where God in, gives us specific instructions that are related to our gender and to our season in life. God has some different things he expects from seasoned people than he expects from younger people. Some different things from men and women. 
And as you've heard me say many, many times, I believe that men and women are equal. I do not believe men and women are the same. And that sentence is the sentence that has our culture all messed up. Our culture says men and women are equal and men and women are the same, and that is not true. Men and women are equal, but God does not have the same expectations from them in every area of life. God does not have the same role intended for them in every area of life. Now, there are some things attached to our gender that are cultural traditions. Cultural traditions that define what is uh, appropriate for a guy and for a girl. And what I would recommend to you is to follow those uh, to the degree you're comfortable, as long as they don't contradict Scripture. Uh, Listen, culture is not good or bad, uh, only as it lines up with Scripture. Where American culture lines up with Scripture, American culture is good. Where American culture doesn't line up with Scripture, American culture is bad. You could say that for every nation on the planet. There are some other things that God has determined and associated with each gender. And I recommend we find those and follow those regardless of what culture believes or practice. And so I'm going to ask as we get into this and begin to talk uh, a little more specifically that we set aside our personal preferences and our own personal views on uh, the roles of men and women. And I want us to uh, give some biblical thought to this this morning. Uh, Things are not inferior or superior because they're different. Things are inferior or superior based on whether they're doing what they were designed to do. In fact, let me ask you a question. Which is superior, a lawnmower or a scissors? How many people think a lawnmower is superior? How many people think a scissors is superior? And what I would say to you is that neither one is superior. You can cut paper with both. You can cut your grass with both. Right? But when those pieces of equipment are functioning the way they were designed by their creator, when a scissors is cutting paper and a lawnmower is (laughs) cutting grass, they're superior. And we have to be very, very careful. I mean, God did design men and women to be different in some ways. Not the difference in superior and inferior, uh, the difference in functioning the way we were created to function. And I don't have the time to go into this, and the first couple of areas of this are familiar, so I won't go first in your Bible to 1 Corinthians 11. And I want to just look at a couple of other scriptures, and I want to make some practical parenting uh, applications. I mean, everybody's in here probably pretty familiar with the fact that the scriptures teach that men and women have a different role in the church. If we turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3, we would learn that uh, pastors and deacons are supposed to be men. If we learned, uh, got to chapter 2, we would see that in the church, uh, women are not supposed to usurp authority uh, over the men in the church. I mean, that's in the Scripture. Nothing to do with ability, nothing to do with spirituality, everything to do simply with the role God designed. The same is true in the home. And again, we won't take the time to to turn there, but uh, God 
told women, he said, I want you to submit to your own husband. He told men, I want you to unconditionally love your wife. Uh, the, the wife is the heart of the home. The husband is the head of the home. I mean, God designed it that way. Not inferiors and superiors, equals, filling different roles. Notice it's also true in appearance. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. It says, Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame to him? But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. Now, again, if you want to hear more detail on that, you'll have to listen on our website. I spent three or four weeks on a Christian and our appearance. But it's just very clear that a man should have short hair and a woman should have long hair. You say, what's that mean? He doesn't say. It's a relative term. Uh, but there should be a difference. Go back to Deuteronomy 22. By the way, don't get mad at me for, pre, for, for teaching the Bible. I, I, I didn't say that this is as important as Jesus is the only Savior, or that Jesus is the Son of God, or that baptism is by uh, immersion as a symbol after you get saved. I, I didn't say it's as important. I'm just saying, as a Christian, if you're looking for God's will in that area of your life, He said that matters. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 5. It says, the woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man. Neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. Uh, for all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. And by the way, the guy writing that was wearing what all of us would describe today as a dress. Hey, I'm just teaching the Bible. Don't get mad at me. And... The point I'm making today, again, if you want more detailed discussion, you don't have to pull that up. Uh, I, I'm just, there's a distinction in a, appearance that God designed for men and women. I mean, I want you to reason with me for a moment. If God designed a different plan in the church for men and women, it only makes sense that in some ways we need to raise boys and girls differently. If God designed a different role for men and women in the home, does it not make sense then that in some ways we need to raise boys and girls differently? If God designed a different appearance in life for men and women, does it not make sense that there ought to be some distinctions in the way we handle boys and girls? I'm not talking about some super narrow definition of what it means to be masculine or feminine. I'm just saying we need to raise our boys to be men and our girls to be women. Uh, we, if, we are, if we believe John 3.16, then as biblical Christian people, we need to defy this idea, this unisex idea that men and women are the same and they ought to always be the same and ought to be handled the same in every way. That is not true. Now, unfortunately, my experience is that churches in general uh, squelch strong masculine males. Uh, strong masculine males are a pain. You know, uh, man, just... It's just ugly when, when, when they're teenagers and in her 20s sometimes too. I mean, just a strong male in, in that age. You just, man, you just want to punch him in the face. 
And churches have, have sort of traditionally kind of squelched that and sort of run off all strong men. I'm just, this is my observation, and I think you probably would agree with it, and tend to uh, promote more effeminate males. I don't think that's the case uh, so much in our church, uh, just because I talk about it all the time, and uh, effeminate males don't feel comfortable here. Uh, I'm just half joking. Um, and, and to add to that, I mean, churches in general, a lot of times they have a lot of women whose husbands don't show up. And unfortunately, if their husbands do show up, they're not husbands that provide spiritual, loving leadership in the home. And so it's very hard for, for those women, and let's just be honest, it's very hard for them to go home and submit to the spiritual leadership of some guy like that. And, and so the children watch their mom. And, and, and so these roles, listen, they're really, really clear in the Bible, but when, when we go to what goes on, you know, it, it's, it's hard to follow sometimes. I'm not excusing not following it, but this is what goes on in the church. And I just want to challenge you that if you believe John 3.16, why don't we believe these roles for the genders in the church and, so, uh, and in life? And so what I want to do is I want to just give you some pointers to, as a parent uh, to point your children toward their gender. Number one, uh, dress your boys like boys and your girls like girls and compliment them for looking their part. It, it ought to never be said that you can't tell what gender your children are by their clothing. Uh, start them young. Shape their tastes. I mean, compliment them. You know what? When you put uh, something feminine on your girl, compliment her. When your boy is looking like, compliment them. Be, shape their tastes. Number two, give your boys a boy haircut and your girls a girl haircut. And compliment them for looking their part. You know what what's easy to do is to choose the haircut for our children based on what's easy for us. Um, please don't do that. Now, I'm a little extreme at times. I remember when Wall was an infant and he had his hair was on his ears and that bothered me. That may not bother you. And uh, we didn't agree on it. I cut it when she was gone. He said, did she like it? No, she was furious. I didn't care. I did care a little, but not enough to not do it. You say, you'd be a pain to be married to. Oh, that's just the start of it. You know what? Shape their tastes. Uh, Listen, I know you love his curls, but please cut him off. Oh, he's so cute in those curls. You're shaping his image. Uh, Number three, teach them to be proud of whatever gender God has chosen for them. Uh, A boy ought to be raised in such a way that he's glad God made him a boy and he loves God's plan for men because God chose it for him. Uh, your girls ought to be glad. They ought to be raised in such a way that they're glad that she's a girl. She loves God's plan for women because God chose it for her. Number four, make the biggest part of their toys and games and work uh, point them toward their gender. Now, there's some things that are appropriate for both. I, I get that. But there are some other toys and some other games and some other works that tend to be more masculine or tend to be more feminine. Listen, everything your child does when they're young shapes them for when they're older. 
Sharon watches this show, Project One Runway. I hate it with a passion. I'm not even allowed in the room when she's watching it. I, I just, I cannot keep my mouth shut. Uh, <laughs> and then they had like Project Runway Junior, and they have these little soft sewing boys. And I think to myself, every time I watch these soft sewing boys, is there's some mom or some mom and dad who basically set up their child to, gr- to, to have a grievous life. You can disagree with that if you want. That's all right. Um, Listen, in our day and age, we better make as many distinctions as possible. Whether you recognize it, if you ever pay any attention to children's cartoons or any children's stories, uh, children's movies, listen, they're not making gender distinctions. In fact, they're purposely, purposely confusing children. Now, I want you to, don't misunderstand me, Um, some children, by virtue of the way God designed them, they're going to identify with their natural gender pretty much no matter what happens. And there are other children, by virtue of just the way they came out of the womb, that are going to struggle with this. And if you happen to have one of those and you don't have enough wisdom as a parent to point them at the gender God chose for them, it is really going to hurt them long term. I, uh, one of my sisters, uh, her daughter, when she was, I think, four, decided that she wanted to be a boy. She wanted no dresses. She wanted a short haircut. She wanted to be a boy. Uh, to my sister's credit, she just, no, you're a girl. You wear this kind of a haircut. Do you wear this kind of clothes? And did that. And again, if that little girl would have been in the hands of somebody else, they'd have let her be a boy. There's a show about one of them. Uh, and that's her parents' fault. I mean, what, what eight-year-old decides as a boy that they want to be a girl? That is a psychological disorder. Uh, number five, raise boys stressed in consistency independence and strength. I mean, those are the keys to becoming the provider and protector of his own wife and family. I mean, God said to Job, gird up thy loins now like a man. (laughs) In other words, stand up and be responsible. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, he said, quit you like men, be strong. Those uh, those things can characterize women. Listen, we need strong women. We'll talk about that in, in in a moment. But you know what? Those things should especially characterize a guy. I, again, please don't hear that I don't think boys should play piano or sing solos or play musical instruments. That's not true at all until they take that to a point where they lose their uh, gender identity. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying raise them to be the gender God designed for them. You know, I, I get that. It's more masculine to play sports and work with your hands and lift weights. I don't believe a boy has to do those to be masculine. I'm just saying find masculine things for your boy. Those are great traits. Uh, Number six, uh, raise your girl, stressing submission, the support of her own husband, the importance of home and children, and a meek and quiet spirit. Uh, by the way, no one is ever genuinely meek unless they're first strong. 
Meekness means strength that's under control, strength that chooses to be gentle. Oh, we need strong girls. I don't subscribe to this thing. The girls ought to just be quiet little uh, puff balls on, on a log over there somewhere. You, you know what? I, 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 just don't, I don't believe that. And I grew up in a farm, and my grandmother and my mother and my sisters, I'm going to tell you what, they were working women. They'd work out, they outwork two-thirds of the men I know. And I'm not talking puffball stuff. I'm just saying the scriptures say, uh, we read it in Titus 2, uh, young women to be discreet, chase keepers at home. Uh, that means the home is, is the place where her heart and her guard should be. First Peter 3, 4, the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. You know what? And again, we don't have time, but in Proverbs 7, the adulterous woman, she's described as being loud and abiding not in her house. These things matter. Point your girls towards those things. Um, Here's the thing. Is that if you have a girl, you struggle to do that because there's a part of you that says, you know, if I raise her to be this way, some guy's going to take advantage of her. And that is just, you have to trust God. A, you teach her what kind of guy to find. You teach her to have enough confidence in herself that she doesn't have to grab a hold of some monkey bait. And, and, and listen, God has good men out there too. Listen, when you teach your boy that he ought to unconditionally love his wife, you know what? You risk the fact that he could choose the wrong world and, and, and love a bad girl. There's bad women too. I'm just saying we have to have our faith in God. Which gets us simply to our last thing, because I'm 10 seconds over. You need to just trust God's plan uh, for their life and for our godly home. Be really, really careful when your son is young, trying to focus on the gentler side of life. You know what? Do I think uh, men ought to grow to be gentle? Yes. But I think they need to first be strong. I'm amazed at women who wanted a strong, masculine man to, ma- to, to marry, and then they, were, they raised some little sissy boy. And I, I don't mean that in some harsh way. You know what? You wouldn't have wanted a guy like that. Don't raise one. And uh, same thing. Uh, if you have a girl, don't uh, overly emphasize the strong side of life. I, I believe... A, a woman ought to be strong. Man, if my wife wasn't strong, we wouldn't make it. She has to function without me all the time. She's a strong woman. I love that. But listen, every guy, when you were looking for a wife, you were looking for a girl who was feminine enough to be attractive to you. I mean, stop taking your five-year-old girl out and gutting deers. I don't care if a girl hunts. I don't care if a girl can skin a deer. That's not what I'm saying. I mean, start, though, when they're, when they're young. I mean, really be strong on the things that characterize their gender from God. And I'm out of time. I've got to stop. Uh, fill out something on that question and, and uh, on that little yellow piece of paper. Turn it in. God bless you. You're dismissed.